Good morning. I am just so honored and excited to be with you all today. And thank you, Dean Steele, just for the invitation to get to be here and share uh, just for a few uh, moments with you all. Just a message I think the Lord is sharing with me. Um, when Dean Steele invited me to come, it kind of allowed me to just take a pause and reflect back on my time in seminary, and particularly as an MDiv student. It was such a, such a sweet time. I was doing my Master's of Divinity with my husband, DL, so we were college sweethearts. Actually, we went a little bit further back. We both met at Union University, and I have to put in this little fun fact. I met my husband in a Greek class while I was sitting right beside a classmate of mine, Rebecca Poe, at the time, and we were on the back, and he he was on the front row and she eventually made herself up to the front row because she was obviously phenomenal but every time I would exit the Greek class he would say in Greek I love you as a joke to try to get my attention and that can tell you a little bit about my Greek skills but I didn't pick up on that but he did eventually get my attention and I did pass that Greek class thanks be to God and a couple of tutoring and a brilliant person sitting beside me who could help correct me when I made some of my errors so but we did proceed and we finished that degree and we went on and when we got married we knew that we wanted to go into ministry but we really had no idea what that was going to look like and so we packed our lives up and moved to Texas and started the journey of training for ministry and that was a hot second ago. It was actually, to be specific, 13 years ago is when I graduated with my MDiv. And if you had the opportunity to just kind of have a time machine, you can be a Mandalorian, hot tub, whatever kind of time machine you want, but if you want to go back 13 years and visit yourself in the past, I wonder what you would tell them. What would you go back to in 2010? How far were you from Waco? Uh, what school were you at? Were you working? Um, what would you most want yourself to know from 13 years down the road? And as I've been preparing for today and the opportunity to ponder over this question, um, that's what's kind of kept coming back to me. What would I would have? What would I wanted to have known? What would I tell myself if I had the opportunity to go back 13 years as I was brand new and looking at a life of ministry ahead of me? What would I have wanted? to tell myself at that time. Like many of you probably, I had a strong sense of God's calling in my life, which is why I was at seminary to study. And I struggled with my own call because growing up, to be candid, there were only two options I saw for women in ministry. You'd be a pastor's wife or you could be a missionary. And to be honest, neither of those really felt like they were fitting where God was leading me. And so it took a couple of years of stumbling through what I say a series of open doors to arrive at the place that I am today and the ministry and the position that I have the opportunity and privilege to serve in. And as I think about that journey that I've had and the lessons that I've learned these 13 years ago when I first started my journey as a master's student, I'd go back and just tell myself one thing that God has led me through up to this point. I would tell myself Watch the fruit. John 15 begins with that famous final statement of Jesus, the I am statements. But starting in John 1, throughout the entire book, we know we are continuously invited to see Jesus and to meet him and to know him for who he truly is. So before we get to John 15, let's go back and set the stage because that's what John was intentionally trying to do when he's telling us in John 1 that Jesus was God and was with God. And he takes it even further and tells us famously in John 1.14 that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he says, we've seen the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. 
One of the things I love about the book of John is that he intentionally and famously chose the same word in verse 14 that Jesus came to dwell to directly point us back to the Old Testament, this idea of tabernacle, which is the dwelling place of God. Because what he's pointing us to is understanding that Jesus is where heaven and earth now meet, just like the tabernacle was in that Old Testament. And the book of John is all about what heaven had to tell earth when he came down. John 15 takes it another step further. Jesus is not only the meeting point between heaven and earth. Not only is Jesus directly connecting his identity with God and the Father by utilizing these I am statements throughout the book. Now Jesus is changing in John 15 our understanding of connection and rootedness for the people of God. One commentator I read explained it like this. He said, unlike the synoptic parable that employs the traditional Old Testament categories of vine and vineyard, Jesus here says God's vineyard has one vine. He is that vine, and attachment to God comes through attachment to him. And here's where it gets good. It is no longer a matter of possessing the vineyard. It is now a matter of knowing the one true vine. Jesus as the vine means he is this sole source and cultivator, creator, and sustainer in the life of a Christian. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Look throughout this chapter, you will see time and time again this idea that this true relationship with Christ this evidence of it. It's not a religious litmus test of doctrine, but rather in verse 8 he says, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So what does that look like? How do we know we're producing the right type of results that professes and proclaims a life in Christ? What manifestation of a true connection with this true vine? He tells us in verse 8 through 17, we've already read it, so I'm going to kind of skip over it, but he says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And go further, he says again in verse 17, this is my command, love each other. So ministry leaders, as you are preparing to go into the next season, as you're in this time of study right now, my question is, where is our fruit? I'll be real honest and personal here. For years, I honestly lost slept and worried about having the right doctrines and the right beliefs. I was so hungry to know and understand the truth. And I treasured the education I received and earnestly wanted to steward that well. And I took a lot of pride in the awards and accomplishments that I received. But I wish I could go back to my seminary self and tell her, where's your fruit? Because the Christian church is at her best, not when we're in the lecture halls discussing Bart or Boltmann or Bonhoeffer or Fiorenza, Francis Young or Fulkerson. And those are all great things. But it's when those discussions we're having in the hall spur us on to love and good works that demonstrates our connection to this true vine. In the world that we live in, you've kind of heard alluded to already, I do a lot of work in politics in Austin right now. And I had, part of my assignment is to be part of that public sphere. And one of the things that is so hard for me right now is I see too many who profess the wisdom of Christ and don't look a thing like him. Some profess to hold all the right beliefs, but like the priest and the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan, they will walk blindly past the, past the hurting. If the byproduct of fruit is summed up, 
as love each other, then we need to be concerned about the things that Jesus was concerned about, right? The prisoner, the hungry, the refugee, the poor, the marginalized, the depressed, the hurting, justice. We believe, so we love. We believe bearing fruit means loving others. So we study and we do these things so that we can love others well. This is not prescriptive of a life in Christ, but it's rather a description of the natural outworking of a life in him. We can't replicate this apart from our connection with our true vine. And it's not to say that we can't do good things or great things apart from Christ. Obviously, people do big things every day. But this true fruit of the Holy Spirit that is kingdom building, kingdom impacting, that has eternal significance, that does not happen apart from a relationship with the true vine. And we don't do those things apart from relationship with him. It absolutely breaks my heart when I'm in the world that I have to live in sometimes, in the world of politics and cultural engagement, that the term Christian is more commonly connected to political affiliation versus a kingdom of God movement. Over the last several years, we've seen terms like Christian nationalism grow increasingly problematic and bluntly anti-Christ looking. And we saw even on January 6, 21, where World Watch is, the Capitol was stormed with Bibles and crosses and banners on full display trying to justify behavior in the name of Christian. People call out, people call for Christian heritage as they're giving divine sanction to racism, ethnocentrism, and nativism. And I would say our ancient faith that has historically held to social activism, that the gospel needs to be expressed in effort. That's the expression of James 2. I will show you my faith by my works. It should break our hearts that that ancient, beautiful faith is now also known by words such as puritanical, uptight, invasive, racist, and hurtful, according to a 2019 Barna study. So while we rightfully and intentionally want to create space between the Christianity of movements like Christian nationalism, extremism, fundamentalism, I'm afraid there's still a collective impact that these movements are, have, and it's telling us that Christianity is losing our collective witness. To put it differently, I think we have a fruit problem. I think we're seeing the results of John 15, 6. If you do not remain with me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So now more than ever, we desperately need our connection to the true vine to let our fruit bear witness to the ancient faith we have inherited in the strongest way possible stand up in stark opposition to the fruit of false idols that we see amongst us right now. And as ministry leaders, your challenge is to transform all this beautiful and important knowledge that you are learning right now at Truett in this season that you're in and let it deepen your connection to the true vine and let that produce fruit. I was so thankful for my seminary education. I received a love for so many different things. I do genuinely love talking theology, but probably most specifically and uniquely to me, it helped me develop a deep appreciation for the concept of the Imago Dei. That idea that humanity is beautifully made in the image of God. That became the focus of my PhD and dissertation, and it spurred me on to all the advocacy work that he's allowed me to be a part of today. And it's been a whole host of things that don't look like the traditional thing you might think of when you think theology. I've had the opportunity to advocate for human dignity in areas of like 
air conditioning in prisons, funding for special education in public schools, or to remove the R word in all government documents, which I'll be giving testimony to tomorrow in Austin. And I share that because I want to encourage you to see that Christian ethics and ethos are two sides of the same coin. That belief and practice are two sides of the same coin. And we believe bearing fruit means loving others. Your connection to the true vine ensures that what you are doing here right now transforms into this unmistakable mark of love, which is the ultimate fruit of our connection with Christ. So if I could go back in time, I would tell myself, watch for fruit, follow that fruit, but not just my fruit. In my magical time machine, it would be two pieces. I would tell myself, watch your fruit, but I would also tell myself, follow the fruit. What I've learned in the 13 years since my MDiv is that there are times where it can be really difficult to know who to work with, who to trust, and who to follow. I've had enough time to see institutions and legacies turn into house of cards that come toppling down. And not only for you, but for also the people that you minister with and who you'll be in ministry with in the churches and unique ministries, there's a unique type of disorientation that occurs when individuals and organizations we once trusted turn out to be charlatans. So where do we go? How do we help them navigate that? How do we navigate those challenges? What do you do when you or a loved one so suddenly experiences a crisis of faith that it's difficult to know up from down? Follow the fruit. Cling to the vineyard. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So not only do we need to watch our own fruit, but in times of uncertainty, God has taught me just follow his fruit. When you don't know what's going on, there are times of ministry where you may look around and despite the whitewashed name of church or ministry or whatever title it may be, when you look at the fruit it's producing, it shows right away the entire plant is rotten. When you have moments like that, I encourage you follow the fruit. It's also very liberating because it means you don't have to stay in toxic ministry settings. When you find yourself in a place that has no fruit of the spirit, no fruit of that relationship with the true vine, you are free to take confidence that if the fruit is not there, if the spirit is not there, you are free to exit the building. You are not called to be there. It's also possible for something to be producing fruit and for a host of various reasons, does not remain connected like he so carefully warns us. Throughout verses 1 through 17, notice how often he says, remain. He says it 11 times. He is continuously reaffirming the ongoing nature that relationship with this true vine creates. And the byproduct, fruit of that evidence, is his presence. So we can trust. When we see fruit of the Spirit, when we see the fruit of love, Man, I'm going to trust that so much more than my own knowledge or intuition. I can trust the Holy Spirit to be pleased with who he wants to dwell with. And I'm going to run in full force in that direction where I see the fruit of the Spirit, where I see the fruit of the indwelling of Christ, the, the fruit of his presence there. I'm just running there. It means I'm continuously looking inward to make sure that my connection to the true vine is remaining strong. 
knowing that it will create good fruit. Practicing spiritual disciplines that help me keep connected and remained with him. It's an intentionality. When I'm looking for the fruit, when I'm watching for the fruit, it means I'm continuously also looking outward to the fruit all around me and making sure that I'm dwelling where the spirit of the Lord is and abiding in the goodness of his fruit. And that ongoing remaining relationship of dwelling, cultivating fruit, and loving one another, that's what empowers us for the challenges he goes to speak on later in that chapter. And we're not going to go down into that, but he goes on to warn that it's going to be rough. There will be people who do not like you, and it's because they didn't like me first. So yet, I want to affirm in ministry, there will be pushback. There will be some who simply just do not like us in ministry. I'll use myself. There are some who are upset because of my very existence as, as a female in ministry is offensive. There's pushback. There are some who are very upset because I am much too conservative. And there are some who are very upset because I am much too liberal. Our culture, and I'll be very specific, Texas in particular, we are struggling. We are increasingly growing towards a polarized and divisive tone. We're lacking the ability to see nuance and see complex issues as complex. <laughs> and there will be places, times, and situations where it will be hard and maybe even lonely. And so it's not profound, but the word I would tell you and the word I would go back and tell myself time and time again is the only way we can make sure that not only will we survive but thrive in even the most challenging of situations is to consistently, consistently and continuously watch the fruit. And we're talking about this from John 15, but really we could have pulled this from so many places in Scripture. John 1 obviously talks so much about we are known by our love. God is love, and that is the way we imitate him and show that to the world. So I encourage you to follow this fruit, to let others be seen see us and know us by our fruit of love and say that is the mark of a true Christian and take comfort in that when you're dizzy and you don't know up from down. Look for where the fruit is and just run in full force in that direction. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful that you are our vine, that you are our, our life giver, our nourishment, and that we can trust you Thank you for the love that you grow in us and cultivate in us. Thank you that we can have the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom and spread your kingdom through loving one another. Would you give us courage? Would you give us conviction to do that even when there's opposition or challenges in the days ahead? Thank you for all the students here. Thank you for the calling you have placed on every one of their lives, that they would be faithful to that calling, that they would take confidence in that calling, and that they would know that their connection to you is what will continue them on to every single season, no matter what the ministry challenges may bring them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.